0: Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a biweekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. Today, I'm excited to welcome Colleen Quinn and her son, Paul St. Pierre, to the podcast. Paul was diagnosed with epilepsy in November of 2018. As he struggled to gain seizure control and dealt with the side effects of medication, Paul and his mother were dismayed at the lack of awareness and understanding of epilepsy within their school system. Spurred by this, Colleen and Paul set out to get a law passed making epilepsy first aid training mandatory for New Jersey teachers. They are here today to tell us about Paul's diagnosis, his experiences with epilepsy, and how it drove them to be epilepsy advocates. Colleen, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today to chat. I would love to know how epilepsy first entered your lives.
1: When I first experienced um, epilepsy with the seizures, I knew nothing. I knew nothing of what epilepsy was. I knew... um, You weren't sure what was happening. Yeah, and... And what was happening? First, it started as an eye twitch And then it started or then it progressed to a arm and leg moving kind of thing. So in school, it was
2: um, happening on a very high frequency and he complained to me about his eyes and he had had three prior eye surgeries. So I took him to his eye surgeon, got his eyes checked um, because I wasn't familiar with a seizure that looked anything like that, but I was describing it as like a seizure in his eye. So it took a while for us to get a diagnosis. Unfortunately, um, the types of seizures had to progress and change for us actually to get the diagnosis.
0: So how did you get the diagnosis? You take him to the eye doctor and what is did the eye doctor refer you at some point to a neurologist? What, what what was your diagnostic journey?
2: I first saw the eye twitch that he was describing, and I drove him to the emergency room um, at a pretty well-known hospital in Philadelphia, and they told me that it was panic attack and stress and to basically go home and get some counseling. Um, And then it continued to happen. I took him to my pediatrician. He thought it was possibly um, a tick from ADD medication. So it really took it to happen in his office for him to realize the severity of it. And then that's when we got referrals for MRIs and EEGs.
0: So you go in for the MRI and the EEG. Were you thinking epilepsy? Had anyone mentioned that to you as a possibility? To me, yes. And
2: I really didn't discuss with Paul epilepsy or anything else at that point because we weren't sure what it was. Um, Our family doctor was scared that actually it was a brain tumor. So I was familiar with epilepsy. I work with kids with developmental disabilities. by that point, I think I, I knew, but I didn't know the cause.
0: And so you get your diagnosis, I'm assuming in the hospital when you went in for those those tests. What? How was it explained to you about epilepsy and how they were going to treat it?
2: I guess it was basically explained by, here's the medicine, it works in most cases, um, it's epilepsy. And I think at that point, I was so thrilled that it wasn't, you know, what people had been mentioning before, a brain, a brain tumor or something of that nature. So I was just so happy to have medicine. Uh, I didn't ask a lot of questions. I was just thrilled by that alone because by that point, he was having like five and six seizures in a day. And they had progressed to, you know, a level of unawareness, complex, partial unawareness.
1: And they were, they were becoming, they were pretty scary.
0: Absolutely, I'm sure. And was the medicine effective?
1: The first medicine we tried, um, the side effects were not really that good. Um, Sunburn was a big one because um, one time I went to the beach and I went to my mom because we were down the shore and I was red. And then the brain fog? The brain fog um, was also one of them.
2: We were very fortunate though. it held off seizures with minimal breakthroughs um, for a year and four months, actually.
0: But at a significant cost.
2: True. Absolutely
0: true. But, you
2: know, it, it did hold them off. And, you know, we're thankful for that. Unfortunately, you know, he um, he began to have breakthrough seizures this February and on a weekly basis that were pretty significant and um there was a choking incident where he turned blue. So we're actually just started a new medication and he's had a few. I think the last one was three weeks ago today. So we're hoping that we're on a better path with this new med.
0: Well, crossing all my fingers and toes that that works out because... Thank you. My goodness, the, the pharmaceutical roulette is certainly a tricky game to play. So you are... You know, you're talking about this brain fog and you're having seizures in school. How did that affect you in school, both academically and socially?
1: My closest friends didn't really know what to do besides one of them because I had a seizure in front of him in his backyard. And from the training that my mom taught him, he knew what to do. Um, But in school, I had a lot of them. The teachers knew nothing about them. Um, And I got bullied for it. I'm sorry to hear that what
0: what would the teachers do when you had a seizure in school?
1: The first thing was be calm and send you to have you walk to the nurse yeah
0: by yourself initially so I can understand why there was certainly some concern for your safety in a school environment um, which really catapulted you guys into advocacy so, so early and quickly after your diagnosis. Talk to us about Paul's Law and what motivated you to make such incredible change in your state of New Jersey and also my current home state, I might add.
2: I had met a woman um, through Facebook. There's, There's so many good connections that have come out of social media with epilepsy for us, I met a woman who was working on seizure-safe schools in Texas. She hadn't passed it yet. And she suggested, well, why don't you do it in New Jersey? And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, that's a pretty big undertaking. And I looked at the numbers and I went to Paul and I said, well, Paul, you know, you're 12. We, we need to talk about this. What are your thoughts There's 12,000 kids with New Jersey in New Jersey that have epilepsy. What, what are your
1: thoughts? What do you want to do? And you can tell Kelly what
2: you decided.
1: She asked me, um, what, what do you think we should do? And I said, let's do it because, um, I like trying new things and this is big.
0: (laughs) It's very big and, and a lot to take on, especially when you're being bullied in school and, In order to get this law passed, you have to be pretty public about your diagnosis. That takes a lot of bravery.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's very courageous. I'm very proud of him. But he wanted to stand up for all the kids who, you know, don't have a voice or, um, you know, weren't comfortable standing up.
0: It just seems so, like, such an enormous um, task to take on. what steps did you take? How, how did you even get the ball rolling to get this bill passed in the state of New Jersey?
2: At this point, Paul was <clears throat> obviously struggling emotionally. And I actually, we have a local weather station that comes out of Philadelphia. It's actually a country music station, and he loves country music. And they have a weather child on, on the station every day. So I applied for Paul to be the weather child, and they contacted me, ironically, and said, you know, he's a little too old for that. And I said, well, I'm trying to lift his spirits. Here's his story. And they said, bring him into our our station, and he can talk about epilepsy awareness. Well, we had called Senator Beach and requested a meeting. Well, that day, Paul was on the radio. Senator Beach's daughter must be a country music fan. So she heard it on the radio and called her dad and said, you better help this little boy to make a law. So by the time we got there with, you know, the Texas law, Sam's law in hand and the Lindsay Crunk Act in hand from Kentucky, he said, Paul, you don't have to sell me. It's a go. So we were very
3: fortunate. We've been very fortunate. Hi, this is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Since 1998, Cure Epilepsy has raised over $78 million to fund more than 260 epilepsy research projects in 16 countries around the world. Learn what you can do to support epilepsy research by going to cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life.
0: So you have your state senator on your side helping you. What did you do next? What, what is the, that process like?
2: Again, we were blessed. Senator Beach is a former teacher, and he had a student have a seizure. So we couldn't have gotten luckier. Uh, We started our Facebook page, Paul's Purple Warriors. Uh, We reached out to other people who were working on the bill or who had passed it. Um, Cindy Crunk in Kentucky, Sherry Duo in Texas, and just got advice, and they sort of helped us along. We grew the page. We... I had parents knocking on my door that lived in my town thanking me and hugging me that I never met in my life because their kids had epilepsy.
0: It is such an important piece of security to, to know that you are sending your child to school and that the professionals in that building will know what to do when your child has a seizure. To that end, can you explain specifically what is in the law and what, what it entails?
1: So the law is pretty much about, um, training teachers, bus aides, um, administrators, administrators, all um, school personnel, really. Yeah. Um, they're training to know what to do when a child specifically with epilepsy, um, has a seizure. And it also, the course, which can be taken by,
2: um, Epilepsy Services of New Jersey or the Epilepsy Foundation of America also teaches recognition of seizures because, you know, what Paul was describing as an eye twitch, you know, could have been diagnosed sooner. It was happening in school. And maybe that's because there was more stress and, you know, the workload or whatever versus at home. So you know, the hope is that that training will um, help teachers to uh, not just to know how to respond, but to be able to identify different types of seizures. And it also includes a seizure action plan.
0: So Colleen, explain to me, I understand what a seizure action plan is certainly in a home. What does that look like in a school setting? and And who receives that action plan
2: in the school? In New Jersey, the way it's written in our law, is it's a health plan. So it's written specifically by the child's epileptologist or neurologist and the parents, and then it's given to the school nurse and disseminated specifically individually for each child because not every child has the same rescue meds. Not every child, you know, you would call an ambulance at the same time. Some kids need to lay down. So it's individualized to the student with epilepsy.
0: I'd love to hear in your own words from both of you, why this law is so important, I think on a very base level, most people can understand you know just sort of the fear of generally not you know sending your kid to school and and you know the teacher doesn't know what to do, but I think that there there's so much more to it than that um that people probably don't understand goes along with a child having a seizure in school, and I'd love to sort of hear your thoughts on why this is so important
1: this this law is really important to me because if this law wasn't a thing I wouldn't really feel safe um, going to school um, uh, being around my friends because if I have a seizure and no one knows what to do I'm not gonna be safe right and there's 12,000 kids in the state of New
0: Jersey mm-hmm. I think that there's even more to it than that. I mean, I, you start looking in the public schools in particular, and they're cutting the, the school nurse out of the school. There isn't necessarily a school nurse there every single day. So, you know, you can't expect a child to only have a seizure on the day that the school nurse is there and can help with that. Or, you know, the, the trauma of, you know, if a child were to have a, a, a tonic clonic seizure, something that looks evidently scarier. Um, and a teacher calls an ambulance when perhaps that's not necessary as part of the seizure action plan and sort of the trauma that goes along with that and the embarrassment for the child to have to, and the disruption for the rest of the classmates for the ambulance to be called in, you know, or a parent needing to always be within, you know, a short drive of the school and how that affects their, their family economically from a a job standpoint. You know, I think there's just so many reasons why this is so necessary to be passed in in all states and so I'm just so thrilled that you guys really stepped up and and made this happen in New Jersey and and you've really gone beyond just trying to make this a law in New Jersey and you're trying to, you know, help people get these passed all over the country. Talk to us about that.
2: I was very blessed to have, you know, Sherry's help in Texas and Cindy's help in Kentucky. So once we passed, we had met a couple moms in Virginia, Christy and Rowena, and they were reaching out to Sherry and I and wanted to work on it. So we would talk to them on the phone. And then we started to get, I would get inboxes from people in different states. And then so would Sherry in Texas. So finally I said, can we just put all these people in one place so we can all share information, like make it easier? And you know, teamwork this whole thing. So that's when um we started the national page, National Epilepsy Advocates for Seizure Safe Schools. And um, you know, there's there's so many great people in there advocating in their states. So it's it's been a it's been a great journey to be a part of and to help them and give back, you know, the help that we had.
0: Absolutely. And that is, a, it's a Facebook page. And I'm, I want you to just say the name of it again for anyone who might be looking for more information.
2: National Epilepsy Advocates for Caesar Safe Schools.
0: Amazing. I It's just, I, I think it's so great to see the parents coming together and rallying and sharing this information and getting this passed. And I don't think that people realize that they can get involved in their own state. I know personally, I Was asked, um, so I was uh, raised in Nebraska, and Nebraska is currently has a bill up and is trying to get one passed. And um, I got alerted to it, and I got to write a written testimony and share my written testimony to try and help get this bill passed. And um, so, you know, I think I think there's so many ways that people can get involved. They don't always have to be the one who gets the ball rolling, but they can still be a part of the process. And thank goodness there are people like the two of you who are willing to to get that, that ball pushed up the hill. Thank you. It wasn't enough for the two of you to get this incredible bill passed in New Jersey and to help people all over the country try and get bills passed in their own states. You continue to raise money for epilepsy awareness. Talk to us about Uh, your organization, and some of the exciting events that you have coming up? So we
2: formed Paul's Purple Warriors to get support for Paul's Law initially. And then we began to have people reach out, how can we help? What can we do? So we are partnering with Epilepsy Services of New Jersey, which is part of the American Epilepsy Alliance, to do an event called Seize the Wave which this one's near and dear to my heart because this is something kids with epilepsy may be fearful to do, but with the right safeguards in place, we have doctors, we have nurses, we have volunteers, we're going to be able to have 30 kids with epilepsy and their families come to the beach for the day, have lunch, and the kids will be able to surf. So we're super excited. They're going to have their individual um, trainers to teach them and help them. So we're pretty, we're pretty excited about that one.
0: That is wild and so much fun. And you're right. It is something that a, a kid with epilepsy isn't normally going to be able to do. There's so much concern around water safety, but you've created this safe environment and given them the opportunity for an experience they wouldn't have otherwise had. It's really incredible.
2: And we have a guest star coming who is a surfer who actually has epilepsy, who lives in California. I reached out to him. He was kind enough to come. He works for the company Patagonia. They donated shirts. So everyone will be able to have an amazing time.
0: Oh my gosh, that's incredible!
2: And then in September, we are partnering with the Epilepsy Foundation of Eastern Pennsylvania, along with Sale for Epilepsy, um, who is Phil Hayden from Massachusetts, the Massachusetts area, and he is bringing his sailboat down. He sails, you know, for epilepsy awareness, and we're doing a fun event with them in Pennsylvania on the Delaware River in September.
0: I love it. Well, you have to keep me posted on when all these events are happening. Absolutely. As, As advocates, you have done so much in such a short period of time, What do you wish that people understood about epilepsy?
2: I wish they understood how to help when they see someone have a seizure. Instead of being fearful, I I wish they knew how to help. I think that's the most important thing or the biggest gift the general public could give to the community of people with epilepsy.
0: Absolutely. Just general. I feel like there is you know, a general consensus that knowing and CPR is a generally good thing for people to know. But I think that seizure awareness and and seizure first aid should be right up there with CPR. And uh, with help from the two of you, certainly in the school, public school systems and and beyond, uh, I think that we are inching closer to making that happen. I am just so grateful to both of you for your advocacy, for speaking with us today. I think your, your bravery and your compassion for others speaks volumes. So thank you so, so much.
2: Thank you. thank you.
0: Thank you Colleen and Paul for sharing your story with us and for transforming your personal challenges into positive change for so many others with epilepsy. As Colleen and Paul's story demonstrates, it only takes one or two voices to bring awareness and make significant change within the epilepsy community. One way that you can bring about change is to support Cure Epilepsy's mission to fund epilepsy research. There are a number of ways you can help us realize our goal of a world without epilepsy. To find out how you can use your voice to promote and support epilepsy research, please visit cureepilepsy.org forward slash get hyphen involved. Thank you.
3: The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cure Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. CURE Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.